A farmer's time is valuable. That's why Blaine's Farm and Fleet has made shopping for your must-haves quick and easy. Simply order online at farmandfleet.com and pick up your items in just one hour in their convenient drive-thru. Or try Farm and Fleet's same-day local delivery option. The sweet corn breeding program at UW-Madison has been around for about 200 years, and Professor Bill Tracy has been a part of it for almost 40 years. I'm Stephanie Hoff for the Midwest Farm Report. Bill says the focus of the research has shifted in that time due to changing industry and consumer needs. Back in those days, it was the old, what we call old-fashioned sugary corns, uh, very, really not very tasty. Today we have super, super high-quality corn, some of which I've been breeding that you can actually eat raw, which doesn't quite fit with the processing industry, but uh, the quality is, is greatly improved. I'm also doing work for organics as well, and some of the organic farmers need different things, so we're breeding for that group as well. And um, we're also working a lot more with what we might call modern genetics. I've got some colleagues who are looking at, I don't do any DNA work, but working with colleagues who look at DNA and the genes and things like that. So totally different. It sounds like there's a lot of drivers that influence what you're looking into with the breeding program, whether it's how it's processed, whether it's how it it tastes. Uh, Can you tell me more about kind of those primary uh, reasons that you look into what you do? Yeah, well, sweet corn to me, to everyone who eats it, it's uh, they decide to eat it because it's it's good high quality. And what does what is high quality sweet corn? It's tender. And when you first bite into the ear or even the kernels, what you get is a sense of tenderness or toughness. We we pay a lot of attention to that. The next thing you get is a blast of sweetness or some flavor. And the modern sweet corns are much sweeter tasting than the old-fashioned ones. Interestingly enough, they're lower in calories than the old-fashioned ones. And the the quality lasts a lot longer. The old-fashioned ones, the quality went away very, very quickly. The modern ones last a lot longer. So you can buy sweet corn at the farmer's market maybe on a Wednesday, and you can have it on a Saturday and it'd still be good. I would recommend you buy it. You eat it the day you buy it, but that's. Uh, but you can still get good sweet corn. So those are the two big things. But then there's aroma or smell. That's very important for people as well. Um, the only real reason to cook sweet corn is to release the aromas. I asked my mom once, because I don't know anything about cooking. I said, Mom, how do you, uh, how long should you cook sweet corn for? And she said, you cook it until it smells like sweet corn. Was that on the recipe card? Or? <laughs> it should be on everybody's recipe card. You don't have to cook it for a half hour, five minutes maybe. What takes center stage for you today that may be surprising? Cause, because it, when, in the examples you gave earlier, it wasn't necessarily all about flavor. Well, it wasn't. That's interesting because back in the old days, it really was about flavor, especially for processing corn. Because in those days, when corn came in from the farmers' fields, it wasn't really that sweet. But they could add sugar to the can. Today, we're concentrating on the quality, so they don't have to add sugar to the can. So modern sweet corn, canned sweet corn, is actually, even though it comes from so-called super sweet sweet corn, it's actually probably well, it's probably better for you than the old stuff because no sugar is added, and because no sugar is added, they can add less salt. So it's a much better product than it used to be. Well, one thing we haven't talked about was the consumer. Mm-hmm. Does that play a role in what you do? Absolutely. We do do consumer tests, but absolutely the, uh, the quality is what, to me, what it's all about. We, or the uh, Wisconsin farmers, know how to produce a lot of crops. I mean, they can produce record-breaking tons per acre and things like that. 
what the consumer wants is quality. So I don't have to worry about the farmers because they have farmers know what they're doing. We have to get the consumers the best quality they can. And Bill, you're not doing this work uh, all alone. You have a team behind you and you use a lot of student help as well. Can you tell me how student involvement has looked? Student involvement is key. Um, I always hire a lot of undergraduates. They to, to, to do the summer work, to pollinate, to keep the fields weed-free. Many of those go on to careers in, in agricultural, in, in agriculture, whether um, uh, at the production level or whether they go on to graduate school in genetics. Uh, I have a number of students who have done that. And then I also have graduate students working with us, and they really do the basic work that we do. So it's a big team. Two years ago, I had... Uh, about 20 people on the team and a number of them number of the undergraduates who didn't know what what they wanted to do when they started with the program three or four of them now are going to uh, planning on going to grad school in agronomy or plant genetics how's funding looked where are you seeing interest from investors if you have them yeah funding we don't get it directly from individual investors we do get grants from the federal government. The federal government has created a program called the Specialty Crops Research Initiative because they've been giving a lot of money to soybeans and field corn and stuff, but some of the smaller crops like sweet corn, not so much. Well, they created the Specialty Crops Research Initiative to move some money into crops like sweet corn, citrus, apples, things like that. So that's been a big increase, and that's been very exciting. I also get royalties, uh, and I don't get any royalties personally in my pocket, but I get royalties that fund my program from varieties that I've released. And there's a number of other sources. I, I actually have the honor of being the Cliff Bar and Organic Valley uh, Chair of Organic Plant Breeding, and that um, uh, sends us some funds as well that uh, I can use for research. How many varieties have you have come out of your program? Well, quite a few, but most of the varieties that I've developed, are, I work with companies, so I develop inbreds. Most of these are hybrids, so you need to develop inbreds. I develop inbreds, and then I license those inbreds to companies, and they make hybrids. And in some cases, I don't even know that my line is in there. It's just they name it, those kind of things. But we do have some new ones that are going to come out that are going to be kind of UW label. Where do we see the impact or of your research in our in our everyday lives? Well, yeah, sweet corn is is a better product than it used to be. I mean, it's hard to say. Remember what it used to taste like 20 years ago, but it's a much much better product. And as I said, it, it literally is healthier for you than it used to be. You are seeing, you're going to see some new varieties coming out very soon that, as I said, you're going to be able to eat them raw, like you eat a banana. You bring it home, you peel the husk back, you bite into it, and you are going to be amazed at how that tastes. After the interview, Professor Bill Tracy joked that sweet corn on a stick is going to be the next best seller at theme parks like Disney World. I can't wait to try it. Bill leads the sweet corn breeding program at UW-Madison. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Stephanie Hoff.